a lot of times I really work on an intro, and I didn't really have any type of intro, and I was just kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. But I actually, the, the song that we just sang, it starts off and it says, you take what is and you make it beautiful. And this has absolutely nothing to do with the sermon. But um, we have a pool in our backyard. Many people here know that. And yesterday we, was it yesterday? Whatever day it was, we opened the pool and we took the, it was the day before yesterday, we opened it up, we took the cover off, and it looks like a swamp. It is disgusting. It's nasty. There's no way in the world I would get in that pool. And um, I was thinking, man, you know, like before Christ, that really is who we are. Like we look like this just nasty swamp in our heart. And uh, we worked really hard yesterday. We, we cleaned it. You got to vacuum it on waste, and then you got to brush it like crazy, and we, we did that. And then this morning when I went outside, like, it looks a ton better. Like, you can, just with two days' worth of work, you can start to see the bottom of the pool, and probably with, like, two or three more days of really hard work, it's going to look like crystal blue. And I was thinking about how as I was sitting here, we, we were singing that song, I started thinking, man, that's really what God does in our lives, is He cleanses us, and He grows us, and He takes what's ugly, a nasty swamp pool of a heart, and He makes something so beautiful out of our heart, and we're all in that process of becoming more like Christ and, and looking like that. And so, again, it has absolutely nothing to do with the sermon, but I was sitting there as we were singing, and just like, man, God is so good that He takes what's ugly in our hearts, and He makes it beautiful. Um, so I'm thankful to God for that. Um, but now, so today we're in the book of Acts. We've been in the book of Acts since the beginning of the year, and we find ourselves today in Acts chapter 6. And to remind you if you haven't, uh, or if you kind of forget, or if you haven't been here to kind of bring you up to speed, the book of Acts starts, <clears throat> and, and Jesus has died, he's risen again, and he presents himself alive for 40 days. And then he um, says that he's going to leave, but he's going to give us the Spirit, gives them the Spirit, and he, so he ascends into heaven and he gives them the Spirit. And once, once his followers have the Spirit, this amazing thing starts to happen in their life where they start really performing miracles. They're, there's miracles, there's signs, there's wonders, and this group of people, these followers of Christ, they're, they're living this deep life together. They're, they're intimate with each other, and they're connected to one another. And uh, the people all around are amazed, and I would be too. Like They're amazed at how the people love each other, but they're also amazed at all these miraculous things that are happening. And through that, the Lord adds the number daily of those who are being saved. And if you were here last week, what we said is that the people saw a powerful God through the faith of his people. And, and this, this, the church became known for two things, care for each other inside the church and a desire to share with people outside the church. So I think what you really see is you see caring in and sharing out. And, and that's what you have seen a ton of. And, and really outside of Ananias and Sapphira, if you were here when we talked about that or if you know the story, other than Ananias and Sapphira, it almost seems like you're seeing a perfect church. And it's like everything seems to be going right. There's people coming to the Lord like crazy and they're caring for one another and it's beautiful and, and it looks perfect. And, um, but then this week, our text a complaint arises. If you have a Bible, you can flip open to Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is what the Bible says. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, that's Greek-speaking Jews, um, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution 
And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, they prayed, and they laid hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Let's pray. God, I um, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the ways that you can use it in our hearts. I thank you for the, the simple of things, um, even a, a, a dirty pool to remind us of how much you love us and what it is that you do in our hearts through, through Jesus. So God, I pray that you'd prepare um, our hearts, that you would use these words to um, grow each of us, not just in our knowledge of you, but in our love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, a complaint arises. Again, it almost seems like we're looking at a perfect church. And then there's this complaint that arises. And when you see that this complaint, the complaint is basically that some of the widows aren't being served during the daily distribution. And as soon as I, I read that, like I'm going to give a quick side sermon. Daily, the church fed the widows. Daily. Like, the, the, the care and the love that was displayed for the people just is kind of mind-boggling to me. But daily, they are distributing food. But apparently, that there's, there's, there's a gap, right? And the, the people are not, the, the disciples, the apostles, they're, they're passing out food and they're forgetting people. And uh, it's not intentional, but there's something, there's a problem that happens, and it's also not someone's imagination. Like, there's clearly a problem. Like, people are being neglected and getting the food um, of what they're supposed to be getting, and the problem arises. And, and as I began really looking at this and thinking through this, <clears throat> something became apparent in my heart is there is no such thing as a perfect church. Not, I mean, not even close to it. There's not a perfect church. And even in this, when you read through everything that's been happening before this, and you see the numbers growing, you see all this beautiful stuff happening, the church is not perfect. People are being neglected and not cared for the way that they should be. And so what you can see is there's oftentimes in a church, there can be a problem of not caring in the way that we should and or a problem of not caring out or sharing out the way that we should. And in this situation, we see that there's this problem where they're not caring inside the way that they should. There's no such thing as a perfect church. And I would say that if you are out looking for a perfect church, you might think you find one for about a week. And then the time you go there, the next time you'll realize there is no such thing as a perfect church. And if you come here, you probably realize that the first time you came here. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's right. I think that we, we, we wear that as a badge, I think, um, gives some comfort. But there's no such thing as a perfect church. But what I see in this that I really like is the people who are seeing that people are being neglected, they have a reason to complain. Does that make sense? Like, hey, like, 
our people aren't being cared for. Like, that is a great reason to complain about the church. It's a great reason. So, so we have a reason to complain, but then it also seems like they, they um, had the right way to complain. They went to the source, right? They went to the apostles. And they said, hey, some of our people aren't getting fed. Like, what's going on? So I think that, 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 that there's no such thing as a perfect church, and there's going to be times where there are complaints, but there's an appropriate reason in which to complain. If you don't like the color of carpet, that's not necessarily a great reason um, for complaining, you know? Um, uh, quite a while ago, uh, anybody ever watch Jimmy Fallon? Jimmy Fallon does those thank you letters. Um, hopefully somebody knows what I'm talking about. Um, and he'll do thank you, and they're kind of these funny things. And one time we, as um, a leadership team we, and spouses, we decided let's kind of come up with thank you cards to the church, to the, to the greenhouse, to the building, and to everything. And one of ours was, um, thank you, Lord, for the carpet um, outside in the lobby at the greenhouse, which is stained as, just as stained as the people inside of the church. Um, we definitely have some stained carpet out there. But... Um, that's not a great reason to complain. Like, if we're really bothered by, the, by that, that's not a great reason to complain. But in this, they have this great reason to complain, but then they have a right way of complaining. And I, and I think that it became really apparent to me that there's no such thing as a perfect church, and we need each other to point out things that are, we're, we're neglecting. We need each other to realize areas that we're not carrying in or sharing out appropriately. And so there's a reason in which we should complain at times. There's, there's a way in to complain, and then they... There's the right people to complain to. And I think that this goes across the board. If you have a job, chances are something bad has happened at work. But it becomes really easy to want to complain for the wrong reasons or to the wrong people. I don't know if you're like me, but it's easy to kind of want to um, complain to someone else rather than to go to the boss. Um, uh, it'd be too complicated to, to share, but there was this situation um, across the entire Dayton area of switching to something with, with my job, and, and it was really easy for me just to want to talk to everybody else about how stupid this idea is and how much I hate it, rather than going to the people who made the decision. And what I love, um, our company brought in the person who made the decision, and they shared, you know, and it was it's so easy to want to go around and to talk bad about, and there's no such thing as a perfect church. Um, there, were, there were holes that were apparent, but they had appropriate reason to complain, appropriate way to complain, and they went to the people um, to whom they could do something about it. And uh, the, the disciples, the 12, they realize, as, as they bring the problem comes to them, they realize, that, you know, they're, they're right. We are neglecting some of the widows. And so what do they do next? So they take a little bit of time to understand why. What's going on here? And what's going on here is that the church has grown from 120 people to like probably near 10,000 at this point in time. So the people who were kind of dealing with stuff, can you imagine the increase of, of, of what all takes place? Um, as a church grows, as an organization grows, as a business grows, your problems grow with it. And so they have lots of problems. What they, what they find is they still have all their normal work to do, but now they have more work to do, right? They also, in this, as they are working on that sharing out part, they get sent to prison. So imagine you go to prison for 24 hours, you know, you're even a day behind what you normally would have been able to have gotten done. And so um, things are starting to drop. Uh, and and when, I, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, there is... 
the hardest times to make decisions are when you are presented with something that's good, something that is better, and something that is the best thing to do, right? Like, if it is a horrible idea or a good idea, it's pretty easy to make the decision, but when you're confronted with some pretty good ideas, what should you do? Like, I'm sure for them, when this complaint came forward, hey, some of the widows aren't being cared for, they thought, man, we, we need to do this. We got to do this. But as they began to to look through it, to think through it, to pray through it, as they begin to, to kind of come up with, what do we do about this? They realize, you know what, it would be very easy for us to do this good thing of us spending all of our time making sure that all of the widows get food the way that we want them to. But if we do that, we may neglect the best thing. And that would be continuing to teach the word to each other, continuing to share the word outside. And so they decide, you know what? We don't, we don't want to do that. We need to think through. We need to pray through. And so what happens is they, they really think through how can we have an inward balance and an outward balance, inward and outward balance. How can we do that? What they begin to look at is we can't just care about our present circumstances, but we also need to prepare for the future. We need to be praying. We need to be thinking. We need to be, we need to be working. And so um, they decide that what they need to do is they need to bring others along who will, will help. So what they do is they, they seek out and they find seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of wisdom. I'm going to um, pause and, and go into this for a little bit. Okay, so the job that we need, if you are the, the 12 here, the job that we need is for people to give food to widows. It seems like an insignificant job. And I think in our culture, you can almost think, oh, that's not a very fun job just handing out food, but they look for people of good refute, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of wisdom. And as I was thinking through this, I thought, you know what is so amazing about that? In, in, many, uh, in our culture and in many churches, for a job like that, anybody could do it. It's almost like, let's just look for anybody who can do this. But here, they're looking for people of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of wisdom. And, and so um, that good repute, it means to be thought well of by outsiders. So this job that seems insignificant, they want to find people of character to do this. And as I began thinking through that, I thought, you know what I really think in this? God cares way, way more about who we are than what we do. I think that God cares more about our hearts and our serving than he cares about what thing we are actually doing in our serving. Whereas I think in our culture and in our mindset, what we do is there are some jobs that are really good jobs and there's some jobs that are really crummy jobs. And I want to do the really good jobs. But I think that when God looks at that, he looks at it so much differently. I think that God really sees that some of the jobs that we think are insignificant are so significant. I don't think that God has this like, okay, this is the best job and here are the crummy jobs. I think that he desires a people who are willing to serve and just willing to serve. Jesus himself came to serve and not to be served. And I think that it's very clear in this that um, God cares more about who we are as we serve than the fact of what it is that we do. I think it's clear to me that God doesn't have these great jobs and these horrible jobs, but in our culture, that's how we look at this. And I was thinking about, you know, oftentimes in the Bible, it's the, the body of Christ is what it's called. All of us make up the body of Christ, those of us that are followers of Christ. And it, it's easy to think that certain jobs are insignificant, 
But I started thinking about our bodies, right? Eyebrows, they seem pretty insignificant, insignificant enough that one of my friends growing up's mom plucked all of them out and just painted them on. Um, But eyebrows can be insignificant in appearance. But have you ever thought about the way that an eyebrow is designed? Like I I was reading through this and thinking through this, and and an eyebrow is usually arched so that if water drips or sweat drips onto it, it it, it flows around your eye and drips away from getting sweat in your eyes. And for any of you who have had some sunscreen on, some sweat, and it's dripped into your eyes, your eyes have burned like crazy, you're thankful for those eyebrows, right? So God has designed our bodies that some of the things that seem insignificant are not insignificant at all. And I think that it's very clear that in the church, it's the same way. There's no important roles and unimportant roles in the church. God has made it that everybody is needed and everybody can serve. And uh, there's beautiful inside of that. There's, it, when, when someone is not, there's something that's left out, something that is missing. If anything, if, I, if there are jobs that uh, would be described as being more significant than others, I actually think it would be the exact opposite of what we think. In Scripture, it says, he who is least will be the greatest. I think the areas of serving and the areas that people wouldn't want to serve are probably even more important than the areas that people want to serve. But in this, there's a problem. There's a complaint. Church isn't perfect. People come forward with the problem. They seek, they pray, and they decide we need to add some people in here and it's so that we can continue to teach the Word. I think if you really look around, there are oftentimes churches that they have decided all these other ways in which to serve rather than to teach the Word. Let's make sure that we have the coolest looking building. Let's make sure that we have the, this music that's incredible. Let's make sure that we have, and they, they, they work so hard on all of these things. And, um, but I'm not sure if they really teach the word. And they decide that they don't want to neglect that. And it's my hope and my prayer that we as a people uh, feel that same way, that we don't uh, want to neglect the word. Now, one of the things that I noticed in this is that, that uh, they're realizing that they're not doing the job perfectly, and so they bring on more people. And, and if I'm honest, there are times where, where um, it's not easy to let go. Um, and, I, and I think what goes on in this is that sometimes what you see is that people don't want to let go of the things that they're doing, and other times there's not someone to step up to take it. You can see both of those things. But here, um, I think what God is really looking for in this is he brings on these seven people that are full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom and of good repute. He brings on these seven people, and I think their job is to serve tables, which seems so insignificant. But what I think God is looking for is people who are, no matter where they're asked to serve, are willing to be consistent, faithful, willing, helpful, humble, loving, and patient. And you have these seven people. Now, the other thing that we'll see as time goes on, their job to serve tables, as you even next week hear about Stephen, Stephen's job did not just continue. That all he did was serve tables. There's an amazing thing that, can, that happens. Um, but again, he started with consistency. And God grew what he was doing in a way. Um, Philip, um, same thing. You see... 
uh, God take what he was doing to serve and, and, and give him more opportunities to serve. And so, again, I don't think that there are um, uh, heights of ways that we serve. I think that it's very clear that God um, wants people who are of good repute, good repute, excuse me, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. So as we look through this, again, a complaint comes up, the full number of people get together, they pick out seven people so that they can continue to devote themselves to prayer and to ministry of the Word. Um, if I'm honest, I think that when you read this, they can be like, oh, it's thing to devote themselves to ministry of the Word. Like, that part makes sense. That part's easy. But so that they can devote themselves to prayer. That is really convicting. Because I can say that I don't think we as a church really pray deeply. I'm sure we have people here who are prayer warriors who pray on our behalf, but are we really a people who just continually go to the Lord in prayer? Are, are those of us that are on the leadership team, are we devoting ourselves to prayer for this body? Um, it was convicting to me this week. So they're, they're forced to make this decision of what do we do? And so they bring on these seven people to, to carry the load. And then what's the result? Initially, like, you have 12 people who are working to do all this thing, all this stuff, and there's holes. There's, there's things that are being neglected. There's things that are being left out. And then they bring on these, these seven other people who step up. And so now we have more people working in the body of Christ together. And what is the result of it? If you look in verse... Seven. The picture at the beginning is that there's holes in the ministry. There's people being neglected. The care inside the group is not the way that it should look. But then, in verse 7, as people step up, and the Word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many priests became obedient to the faith. What I, what I love about this is, is I think that there are times where there are holes in ministry. There's holes here because somebody's seeking to fulfill a role that they don't have time to do. And so my challenge for all of us is if you are here specifically, but at any church ever, and you think that there is a problem, you think that there is something that is being missed, it is very possible that God has put that on your heart because he has it for you. There are often times where someone will come up and be like, you know what I think this church needs? And they'll give me a list of things and I'll say, great, would you like to do it? And oftentimes the answer is no, I just think that somebody should. And it's like, well, I do too. <laughs> but I don't have the time to do it. Um, but what we see in this is that the people are working together as the body of Christ and as they're working together as the body of Christ, as they're, they're working toward making sure that they care inside and that they share outside and have a balance in that, as they're devoting themselves to the word, as they're devoting themselves to prayer, they're, they're devoting themselves to the apostle teaching, they're breaking the bread to prayer. As all that stuff is happening, the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. As all of us who have Christ in us, as we work together for the cause of Christ, God does amazing things through that. And when, when one part of the body lacks, the whole body lacks. So I'm going to try to wrap this up. 
there is no perfect church. And we have holes throughout this church. And I think that they're there because God wants to raise people up. And not just here, but the body of Christ, the, the global body of Christ, there are holes. There are places where the gospel is not being spread. There's holes. There's places that you work at where there, if you don't speak up for Jesus, there is a hole there. So I think as I was reading this, what God has really laid on my heart to share with us is that all across this land there are holes where the gospel needs to be shared. And the only places that we can really do that are the places that we find ourselves. And so my hope and my prayer is, is that God raises us up in those places where there's holes. Same thing with here, that, that, that you may see holes, you may want to complain, you may not like what's happening. I think there's appropriate ways, there's appropriate reasons, and there's appropriate people to, to complain about those things too. I think there's an appropriate way is with grace and humility and prayer. When you see those holes, I, I would challenge you to pray through. Does that mean I should step up? And if you're like me, it's easy to almost want there to not be any holes, so you try your best to make sure that there is no holes. And so there's often times where, in addition to all the things that I have going on, where I might walk in here and, and I don't mean this mean toward people here, but y'all leave a lot of stuff around here. Um, we don't really tell you this, but there is a lost and found and it's growing by the minute. And so if you ever think you lose something, it's probably here and it's probably in the spot. And, and we would love to give it to you. And if nobody asks for it long enough, it's going to goodwill. That's just the way that it works. Um, but um, there's, there's the, I can seek to make it look that there's, like there's not holes. I can try to do this and try to do that and try to do this. But the thing is, is there, there, are, there are areas and ways that it would be awesome to have people serve. Um, <clears throat> there's no job that is unimportant in the body of Christ. And I started thinking about this, that there's, there really should be this desire in us to use our time, our talents, and our treasures for the Lord. So thinking through us specifically, you know, for them, widows were, were being neglected, which caused them to get to a point where we needed to bring other people along, and so they brought other people along. Here, we do a lot. There are house churches. There's a variety of ways in which to serve in your house church. There are kids that struggle that could use someone to just be a presence week in and week out to encourage them, to point them to Christ, all those things. We have these different green, I don't know what to call them, but greenhouse communities. We've got some high school ministries, guys and girls. There's ways to serve. There's, we have blessings in a bag. We seek to, to give food to kids at Kinder Elementary for the weekend, and there's ways to serve in that. We do empower and come alongside moms, and, and with that, we have been adding mentoring. There's ways to come alongside. We come here each week or many weeks, and um, kids are in an area where they can learn as kids. And we, there's always an ability and always an, uh, a desire to have people who teach and who come alongside the kids to, to love on them and to be a presence for them. There's, um, there's ways, as even as I was reading this, they served the widows. They daily distributed food to them. There are so many more ways in which that we could come alongside each other 
inside the church. uh, James says it's pure and faultless religion to care for orphans and widows. We have a vast number of people here who have adopted or fostered, and there are so many ways in which we can come alongside them to care for them, to give a date night to them. Little things like coffee seem insignificant unless you're a caffeineaholic. Anybody here one of those? Uh, there's ways to serve. We don't really talk about this a lot, but there's a security team. What, what the security team does is they don't carry nightsticks and guns or anything. They, they come here and they stand or sit out there to see that if someone comes in, we just are paying attention to what's going on. That we realize we have kids down this hallway and we, we pay attention to what's going on. That there's ways in which to serve. We have a building, obviously. When you have a building, it means that you have weeds and you have trash and that you have the stuff that's left behind. We also, it means you have supplies. When we do all these different types of ministries, there's supplies that you have to have. Somebody's got to go get them. We have office supplies. People use the office and everybody uses the office, well, not everybody, but a lot of people use that office, but nobody pays attention to what's in there. And so then when the paper's all gone, what happens? Usually I'm like, crap, we're out of paper, and I go get paper. People want to use the building for things, and somebody's got to keep track of it. There's, there's countless things that happen day in and day out for this to happen. And in the same way that they uh, did not want to neglect teaching of the Word and of prayer, they found seven people of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of wisdom. Um, at any church, and especially here, we can use people of good repute, full of wisdom and full of the Spirit, to share the load. Um, I'll also say this. Um, for, for anybody in here who, the, your biggest critique of the church is that the church always talks about money, um, I think that we have done a good job of not living up to that stereotype. Um, but I think that we often neglect talking about it. Um, so I'm going to be, this building is about 20 years old, right, Keith? Something like that, right around 20 years. We have seven furnaces and air conditioners, I believe. All of them are 20 years old. The average life expectancy of a furnace is about 18 years. We are on borrowed time. Roofs usually last between 20 and 30 years, um, Ours is 20 years old. We are going to need a new roof sooner rather than later. We're going to uh, piece it together as best we can every year until it's no longer possible to do that. We decided to get a quote, leadership team thinking, praying, trying to be proactive. A new roof will cost $25,000. For those of you who don't like the stained carpet, um, we've gotten some quotes on that. It's not cheap. In all honesty, for us to continue using this building in a way that would be being a wise steward over it, I would guess, and I'm not a big math guy, but I would guess there's probably close to $100,000 worth of work that could need to be done here for the next five years or so. Um, One of the ways that we also can be a part of continuing to allow the message to spread is by giving financially. And again, we don't um, talk about that often. 
And I know that there's a lot of people here who give in a ton of different ways. And I know even for those of us who have adopted or fostered that kids eat a lot. It costs a lot of money, right? For those of us who have kids in college, that costs a lot of money. Um, But I've often been convicted and thought, you know what? I would rather see people as a group, those of us followers of Christ, give up on like one coffee a day and be consistent in giving than to see somebody who just, they write the check and they don't even ever think about it. Because I think if you're, if you're, I think we try to be um, careful with money. We pay attention to it, and we, we kind of know the numbers, and it's easy to kind of just write a check, and you forget about it. It's done with, and it's just, I just don't get any of that money. But when the rest of it, the money that you got to get, it's your money, when you start talking about that, it gets harder. Um, but again, I think that there are a huge variety of ways in which that all of us can work together to continue to see that message of Christ spread. I think it's going to take some of us continuing to to be devoted to the Word. It's going to take many of us seeing the need for prayer and coming up with something so that we as a church begin to be better at prayer. It could be ways of serving a widow. It can be ways of giving financially. It can be countless ways. But the end result of, of what we see here of people using their gifts according to the way that God has gifted them you see the body enriched. And you see the message continue. Um, If we are a church that doesn't care for each other inside, it doesn't matter how much we share with people outside, they will not want to be a part of it. And no matter how much we care about each other inside, if we don't tell people outside, they will just think we're weird. If we don't explain the why. So, For us to be a place where we truly care for one another inside and that we share with people outside, it takes all of us working together as the body of Christ. Um, There's no perfect church. And we are by no means even close to imperfect. We are far on the spectrum of imperfect. But I really think that God desires that we as the body of Christ would work together and that we would care for one another inside and we would share with people outside. And through that, I believe that God will continue to allow this message to spread in a powerful way. Let's pray. God, I, um, I'm humbled by your love. God, it is easy for us to, um, to fall into the trap of just being any, like any other organization or any other group. But God, um, those of us who know you, we have been redeemed by a wonderful, amazing, holy, awesome God. And you sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we who were of the ugliest of hearts green, swamp-like algae that you want to purify us and grow us and make us more like your son. God, I believe that you want to do that even here. 
God, we as a church can easily look like a swampy green wasteland. And God, I am thankful that you challenge us, you call us, you grow us. And even as a church, you make us beautiful. You make an imperfect place that looks beautiful. And God, I I know that there are countless ways that people already serve and already spend their time and their effort and their money. And I know that we are no different. And so God, I just pray that you would... um, You would call each of us to continue to love your imperfect church more to where we would truly care inside and we would share outside. And God, I pray that we would be reminded of the fact that you care far more about who we are than what we do. So God, I pray that through Jesus that you would make us a people of good repute, as we go through our daily lives at work, that we would be people of character. In our homes, that we would be people of character. God, that you would fill us with the Spirit, that we would be a people that are marked by the Spirit. And that we are marked by wisdom because the wisdom does not come from man, but comes from you. God, I thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.